0: Chapter 4 of The Things in Our Garden by Arthur Ransom. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 4 The Little People. At one corner of the little wood there is a clump of ferns growing on a low mound of rocks, and among the stones there is a cave made of a big stone and some pieces of broken flower pots. In this cave lives the king of all the little people who share the garden with the birds and the plants. He is an old and big and ugly and lovable toad. His forelegs are bowed almost into a circle, and his back is rough and knobbly and brown, and his eyes are quite bright beads set in his broad, flat head. We found him a long time ago lying in a lane one evening, where he would certainly have been killed by the next farm wagon that passed that way the imp and the elf picked him up between them and carried him carefully home in the imp's pocket handkerchief we built the cave for him next morning and he took it for his own and has lived in it ever since often in the evenings we meet him on the gravel walks for the insects he lives on move mostly by night and also he likes dewy grass better than the dry burnt lawns of the middle of the day when we find him in the daytime drowsing sleepily at the mouth of his home we bring flies and things within his reach and watch him catch and eat them he watches the fly without stirring and then the moment the fly moves he shoots out a long pale tongue and licks it into his mouth he and his relations do a great deal of good to the gardener for he eats prodigiously and every evening fills himself with the tiny insects that do harm to the plants that is one reason why we call him the king of the little people but he is so solemn and wise-looking that we could never think of him as anything else the imp and the elf love him well and often pay him a visit or go to see if they can find him when he has gone out from his cave on a busy thoughtful hunt for his supper as we walk round the garden early in the morning after breakfast before the dew has gone we find the bushes in the shrubbery glistening with moisture and often from some way off we see something that looks like a shining slender wheel hung between the branches from leaf to leaf and twig to twig a garden spider has stretched out a network of fine silk bright with drops of dew as if a thousand glittering jewels were strung on every thread often in the very middle of the network we see the spider quite still waiting waiting for the flies and insects on whom he feeds to settle in his net for just like the toad he eats tiny insects and flies though he does not hunt them nor catch them with a long thin tongue he just waits patiently until some little fly or wee brown moth entangles itself in his web when he runs nimbly over the network and binds them up tightly so that he can feed conveniently whenever he may will at this time too while the breakfast things are being cleared away and we walk round in the cool before the sun is hot we see the lawns covered with little heaps of earth like tiny coils of twisted earthen rope the worms have been busy says the elf when she sees them and the old gardener is angry with the worms for making such a mess of his lawns for the little piles are made of the earth which the earthworms bring up from underneath the ground during the daytime the worms burrow and delve deep under the earth but when the evening falls they bring up the earth with which they have filled themselves and empty it into these little mounds it is because the worms come up out of the ground at night or before the sun is high that the country people tell you the early bird catches the worm you will notice for yourself that there are far more worms to be seen early in the morning than in the afternoon do you know that although the gardener is so angry with the worms they do very much the same work that he does himself sometimes you remember what the gardener does when he is making a bed ready for seeds or planting how he digs and turns over the old earth bringing fresh soil to the top well that is just what the worm does only a worm does not use a spade but burrows down and brings up the new earth inside himself so that really worms are rather useful things for they keep the soil always changing bringing up new earth and dropping it on top of the old forever and forever and forever only you see they do it just the same on a fine smooth lawn as well as in a bed and it is said that makes the gardener cross the garden is full of snails and slugs i never found a garden yet without them but our garden seems very much too full of what the imp calls the one-foot people if we walk about on a moist day we find all over the place silvery slimy tracks with at one end of each a big fat glistening slug with its horns out and twisting this way and that as it slips along on its one sticky foot and near by we shall probably find a snail also one-footed but carrying a coloured house upon its back the old gardener likes slugs and snails even less than he likes worms the imp and the elf asked him about them nasty dirty greedy things he said look here and see what they have done he showed them leaf after leaf of his cabbages and lettuces eaten away, with nothing to show of the culprits but some shiny tracks that disappeared in the earth it is hard work for a soft one-footed thing like a slug to move over a hard dry surface so the slugs wait till the dew falls and then creep out of the earth and over the damp ground and up the moist leaves making paths for themselves out of their sliminess and then after feeding comfortably and ruining the leaves creep back again into the earth before the sun has had time to grow hot and dry the ground and make their travelling difficult the snails are just as much nuisance as the slugs and have a more easy time because they can hide so neatly in their hard shells so that birds that can eat a slug without bother have to break the shell before they can get at the juicy flesh of a snail but though they do so much harm both these one-footed people are very interesting and the imp tells the most delightful story of how he once dreamt that he was a snail carrying his house shell on his back all purple and brown and gold and i ate all your very best lettuces he tells the old gardener but neither snails nor slugs are as lively and exciting as beetles whom the children like best of all the smaller things because they are so beautiful often when we walk round the garden in the summer and bend our heads to go through under trees in the wood the elf finds that a tiny golden-green beetle has got entangled in her hair and the imp pulling it free holds it out for my admiration in his small fat hand it is an active little thing with its six hurrying legs running about over his fingers like an emerald drop of mercury and when it opens its wing-cases and puts out its wings and flies away like a ladybird, is a beetle too and a cousin of its the elf claps her hands because it looks so pretty then there are tiny brown beetles and shiny blue fat ones and black slim ones and sometimes huge ones with great jaws like the claws of a crab these are the monster stag beetles the biggest beetles that belong to england sometimes three or four come flying together into the garden and drop on the lawn when the gray cat chases them and leaps at them as they buzz in the air just as if they were a kind of strange mouse once we heard her squealing by the shrubbery and when we ran out to see what was the matter we found that three of the big black things had fastened tightly in her fur the cockchafer is another big beetle who is a friend of ours when we sit on the seat in the twilight while the bat is flitting to and fro we often hear a deep booming buzz in the air and a big dark thing comes flying sometimes right into us in his labouring flight only about a week ago one flew against me and fell on the path at our feet we picked it up and held it while we looked at its ruddy brown wing covers ribbed from end to end and its body striped across in dark and white and two beautiful fan-shaped feelers it bore on its head it was quite hard to hold for its legs were nearly as strong as the elf's fingers when we were tired of it we found that it was very like some acquaintances easier to get than to lose for it clung so tightly with its strong legs and clawed feet that we could only loosen it with a hard tug then we threw it into the air and it boomed away as merrily as before but the most interesting and useful of the little people are the bees who live in the hives all day long they hum in the garden busy about their work helping the flowers by going from blossom to blossom and helping themselves and us by gathering the honey from the pantry of each flower they suck the honey and carry it back to the hives to store it for the winter the imp and the elf often go and stand at a safe distance from the hives near enough to see but not so near as to worry the bees though the bees never hurt anyone who leaves them alone they easily grow nervous and then perhaps they might sting even the children who do not wish them anything but good the children sometimes take camp stools and set them on the garden path and sit there and watch the bees fly lightly away from the hive doors the little holes in the front of the hives and then fly heavily back laden with the sweet honey once the old gardener showed them the way in which the bees store their honey he let them see how the bees had built hundreds of little six-sided cells of yellow tinted wax and filled each cell with honey the bees live all together like the people in a castle they have a queen to rule over them and they work very hard indeed so that all may live comfortably during the winter but imps and elves and grown-up people are fond of honey too and the gardener takes the honey out of the hives for them and gives the bees syrup instead so that they do not mind and then at nursery tea we have bread and butter and honey all juicy in the comb trickling out of the waxen cells all over the plate and there is nothing nicer for tea than that the wasps who are cousins of the bees are not so useful though they wear far more gorgeous clothes they give us no honey but are ready even to steal the jam from the sandwiches as we put them into our mouths at a picnic they are rather bad-tempered people too and sting us if we make them angry but they are just as clever as the bees they have a queen too and they build fine houses where they live hundreds together sometimes in a hole in a bank and sometimes in a tree there is a wasp's nest in a fir tree not very far from the house it hangs from a bough like a big ball of grey paper all day long the wasps buzz round it and we do not like to go too near but you shall hear all about that in the book of the woods there now, I think I have told you about all the little people who really matter, all except the earwigs. The imp and the elf hate earwigs and told me to put them last of everything, for they are always finding them in the horn at the back of the nasturtiums, so often that they do not care to make nasturtium buttonholes, and that is a pity for nasturtiums are jolly flowers. The earwigs like them because those horns give them nice, cool, dark hiding-places. At night they come out and enjoy themselves and spoil the enjoyment of other people by eating the petals of flowers, so that really we are quite right not to like them, but no one need to be afraid of them, because they can do no other harm. "'Have you told them that earwigs are pigs?' asked the elf i have not said that but i have said that they make things ugly and that is quite as bad and now the imp and the elf are bothering me to write about their own gardens so come along to the next chapter and i will see what i can do End of chapter four